Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, please. Thank you so much. Um, I think Pastor Jared is just wanting to squeeze every ounce out of me here this weekend. You know, the last couple of weeks have been somewhat crazy. For those of you who know about moving, you're boxing up your house, you're your house is in chaos, it has boxes everywhere, every room seems disheveled or just out of place. And so all of that is going on. And yet this morning, in the midst of the transition, there's, there, it is well with my soul. And I'm excited to share the word with you today. We have people joining us from uh, all over the country, Colorado, Arkansas, Michigan, uh, San Francisco, Long Beach, Austin, Texas, New York. We want to welcome you. Can we welcome our online family, all of our online campuses? Thank you for joining us. Would you just take a moment and bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, I thank you today that your word is transformational. I thank you that we don't preach your word in word only, but empowered in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. And I pray today that that will be the case in our midst, that when we walk away from the campus today, there will be some principles that will renew us, inspire us, and change us. God, I thank you for the faithfulness of your people and their willingness to position themselves to greatness pray that in the name of Jesus. And if you believe it, would you say amen? amen? You know, I've titled the message today, Walking in a New Spiritual Dimension. And I know you could hear that title and some of you may be thinking, what does that mean? That sounds like something right out of the twilight zone. Walking in a New Spiritual Dimension. But I think when we unpack Matthew chapter 8, and Matthew chapter 14 will be on the same page. The bottom line is this. God has some spiritual stuff that he wants you to experience. Some new levels, some new dimensions of his presence and his power in your life. And I, I couldn't leave being with you from week to week and not share out of my personal experience some things over the years that have helped me to pursue God with passion. And one of the scriptures that has become so important in my life is Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25. And if you'll see it here on the screen and read it with me, I, I want you to grab a hold of it, not just with your physical ears but with your spiritual ears, your heart. Would you say it with me? If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, inferring that there is another dimension that we can experience that is more than just living in the Spirit. I like to say it this way. We live naturally, but we walk willfully. We live naturally means, you know, life is just something that, that happens. We breathe in, we breathe out, we inhale, we exhale. 
We don't really think about that. We live naturally. But to walk or to sit or to eat or to drink, all of those are willful actions. We have to think about it and then do it. So when it comes to the things of the Spirit, and I want you to hear what I'm saying, there is another dimension, a new spiritual dimension that won't happen in our lives unless we think about it and we head that direction and go there. We live naturally in the Spirit when we follow Christ, but we walk willfully in the Spirit when we make a decision to pursue Him in a greater way. And I, I can tell you that God loves to show up and surprise us. You know, I accepted Jesus when I was four years old, so I've been following Jesus for 47 years and preaching the Word of God for 35 years, and just about the time I think I've got the goods on God, He shows up and He surprises me. And what I knew, He moves me to a whole different place of what I didn't know. He, he surprises me. If, if, if you would have said to me three months ago that I would be moving to Dallas, Texas to lead a denomination, I would have laughed out loud because I was in my comfort zone in California. I mean, my brother Jared lives right around the corner. My mother moved less than 30 minutes away from me. My other brother lives about an hour away from me. My oldest son and daughter-in-law moved in with us and are serving as leaders here at Higher Vision Church. You're here. Why, why would I want to move away from California? But God loves to do that. And I'm going to say something may, that may sound a bit tough to you today. But God loves to move you out, move us out of our Christian comfort zone and experience some new dimensions in him. Can I get a witness today? Look at the expressions of Scripture. When God called Noah to build a massive boat on dry land, it was a new dimension. When God said to Abraham, climb Mount Moriah and offer your only son as a sacrifice, the only son, the only link to you being a father of many nations, offer him as a sacrifice, that was a new dimension. When God looked at Abraham, or looked at Moses, and he said, stand up in front of the Red Sea and lift up your staff, because my people are going to walk through the Red Sea on dry land, a new dimension. When God told Joshua to simply shout, and the children of Israel to shout, and the walls of Jericho would fall, new dimension. When God spoke to Hosea and said, I want you to marry a prostitute because I'm going to use your marriage as an example of my divine love to my people, was a new dimension. When God showed up and spoke to Peter and Andrew and James and John and said, it's time to stop fishing for fish because I want you to fish for men, a new dimension. When Paul was persecuting the church, God showed up and apprehended him and said, you're no longer going to persecute the church. You're going to preach to the church. And I'm going to make you a preacher to the Gentiles and not just to the Jews. That was a new dimension. God loves to show up and teach us how to walk in a new spiritual dimension. Let's unpack. 
Matthew chapter 8. Do you have your source of scripture? Go there along with me. This is the first event of the two that I believe will unveil some truth to us to help us to understand Jesus calling us, attracting us to not just living in the Spirit, but walking in the Spirit. Now when Jesus got into a boat, somebody say, get into the boat. We may come back to that in the message. His disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing here. But Jesus said to them, and it sounds like he's a a little bit irritated. Have you ever tried to wake up someone in the middle of a deep sleep? I've done that with my daughter, Grace. It doesn't always work very well. But they wake him up in a deep sleep, and he says, Why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the seas obey him? So here's what happens there's a problem. A storm comes. There's a solution. Jesus is on board the boat. And there's a resolve. He stands up and he calms the storm and the atmosphere changes. Have you ever noticed that when you read the Bible, that pretty much is the scenario of just about everything that happens in Scripture? And can I even share that that's what happens in our lives? We're faced with storms. But if we're following Jesus, he shows up and brings resolve to what we're going through. Now, here's what the disciples knew. They knew they were going to follow Jesus because they followed him into the boat. Here's what they didn't know, that a storm was coming. Can I say that sometimes when we follow Jesus, that's the case. Most of us, when we make a decision to follow him, it's the idea that Hey, I'm in this, heart, soul, I'm following Jesus. What we don't often recognize is that we're going to face some storms. And when I read this story, here's what's going on behind the scenes. Can I just give you some thoughts of what's happening really in the story? We see all of the the natural things that are going on. But here's what's happening. The disciples are looking at the wrong things in the wrong realm. Or let me say it this way. They're looking at the wrong distinctions in the wrong dimension. They're looking at the waves. They're looking at the storm. They're looking at the chaos when Jesus already knows that he controls the waves and the storms and the chaos, they're looking at the storm rather than the savior of the storm. They're looking at the waves rather than the wave walker. They're looking at the wrong distinctions in the wrong dimension. And if I can just, first of all, give you this challenge, write it down in your notes, grab it from your your program, write this down. To walk in a new spiritual dimension, we've gotta develop a new way of seeing. We can't look at the natural elements 
that are going on around us without keeping Jesus front and center in our lives and know that he's the one who controls the storms. You know, there, there seems to be something that happens when you serve the Lord for a while. And as I said, I've served the Lord for, for quite some time. And, and I've seen this in my own life. Maybe you've seen this in yours. Where after you, you follow Jesus for a while, without even realizing it, sometimes expectation changes. Pastor Jared has been preaching this series on expectation. Our expectation changes because it becomes more negative than positive. And here's why it happens. Because you start believing the negative press that's around you. Have you has anybody here seen how much negative press is happening in our world today? Every time I turn on the television, it's... Well, North Korea just successfully created the, the next hydrogen bomb, and now our world is hurling toward nuclear annihilation. Or terrorism is rampant across the world, and, and we're on the brink of another world war. Or natural disasters and hurricanes are beating us into submission. I, I mean, every time I turn on the te television, it's like all of this chaos and all of these storms are going on and negative expectation is, I feel like it's trying to strangle my spirit. Sometimes I just have to turn off the news, turn off the television because I'm tired of hearing the negative because it starts impacting my spiritual walk with Jesus. The other day I was walking out in the backyard and I stepped in some dog poop. <laughs> and I didn't even realize it. So here I am walking through the house. You can know Kimberly was very happy with me and carrying dog poop into the house. You may already know where I'm headed. How much dog poop do we keep stepping in, in our backyard, in our culture? And without even realizing it, we're carrying it into our homes and we're carrying it into the church and everything is negative criticism and negative expectation, even to the point that we start seeing things the wrong way looking at the wrong things in the wrong realm and the wrong distinctions in the wrong dimensions. Instead of understanding there's a spiritual dimension that is there that calls to us, that declares that Jesus is in control of all things. Amen. I, I mean, it's easy to do. I found myself thinking things in my in my own life, I mean, if it's going to happen to someone, it's going to happen to me. You know, if somebody's going to get axed at work, it's going to happen to me. You know, it's me. I'm the one who always gets along behind Miss Slow Me down here in front of me. It's going to be me. And it affects the way we think. The other day, we walked into the escrow office because we're trying to finalize our home closing, and so we're closing out uh, our home here, and we're buying a house in Dallas, and so I walk in, and the, 
escrow officer sits down across from me and says, Now, Mr. Ming, I have some bad news for you. And I began thinking, here we go. She said, yes, you know, your buyers are not just buying your house, but they're buying the solar units on your house. So we're having to work through the transaction of selling your solar units on your house along with selling your house. And the unfortunate thing is the home office of your solar units is underwater in Houston. So immediately I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that means the closing is going to be pushed way back, we're going to lose our house in Texas, everything's going to fall apart out there, the sellers of the house out there are going to sell it to somebody else because we can't, uh, we can't close in the predetermined time, we, we've already, all of these things, and then all of a sudden it was like Jesus just said, hold on. These people are not incompetent. I'm still in control. You, did you not pray before this process started that everything would transition smoothly, that your house would sell here, your house would be purchased there, it would happen in a timely manner? Have you not been praying that it would happen smoothly? And I begin to say, God, I believe that you're in control and I will not see the wrong things in the wrong dimension. I will see the right things in the right dimension. And within an hour, they had done something that I'd never seen before. They actually took the solar units and put them in a separate escrow account so we could go ahead and close on our house. And then after we were closed, we would close on the solar units. So God is in control. Can I get a witness this morning? second idea that I want you to see today is not just developing a new way of seeing, but to develop a new way of thinking. Let's look at the second example, Matthew chapter 14, six chapters away. Just turn over to this event. This happens after the first. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. You probably realize why, right? Because the first trip didn't go so well. In the first trip, the Bible says the disciples just kind of followed Jesus into the boat. They didn't even think about it. On this trip, they're standing at the shore. And they're thinking about it. And Jesus says, get in the boat. Somebody say, get in the boat. So Jesus didn't give them a choice. So they get in the boat. But what's interesting is that this time, Jesus doesn't go with them. And so that they would go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So the disciples are all by themselves, remembering what had taken place in the last event while Jesus is doing his thing up on the mountain. 
Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Here we go again. Tossed by the waves. For the wind was contrary. Bigger test. First trip, Jesus is not in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. This trip, he's not in the boat. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now, watch this. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. So they didn't even recognize him. Not only is Jesus not in the boat, they think there's a ghost coming toward them to do them harm. <laughs> Did you know this is the first of three recorded examples in Scripture where people don't recognize who Jesus is? First time he's called a ghost. The second time was when Mary is in the garden after the resurrection and she thinks Jesus is the gardener. The third time is when Jesus is walking with some of his followers on the road to Emmaus, and they just invite him along as a guest. So three times in Scripture, people think he's a, a ghost who's working against them, a gardener who is working for them, every whim, every desire, every, every wish that they would ask, or they think he's a guest. They have an acquaintance relationship with him, but they don't have a relationship below the surface. I, I don't have time this morning. Because in the midst of the storm, we tend to think about the wrong distinctions in the wrong dimension. When the storm is raging around us, we think he is a ghost or a gardener or a guest. But I can tell you today, he's not any of those things. He is an all-consuming fire. He is living on the inside, roaring like a lion. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, and everything in between. He's not just our creator, he's our steward. He didn't just create the world and everything in it. He stewards the world and everything in it, which means he didn't just create every wave, but he knows when every wave will come in, what size it will be, and when it will go out. Because he stewards the world. He's not sitting up in the cosmos unconcerned about the metaphysical realm or going out to coffee somewhere. He loves to interject himself into our lives. Whatever we've seen, he's already seen. Wherever we've gone, he's already been. Every second that ticks by in this world is a second he predetermined on his divine timepiece. He is not a political figurehead. He is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And he's given us the book of all books today. 
And in the midst of every storm that we face, when everything seems to be in chaos, he will come walking on the water to us. And if just like Peter, we can tune into him and lock into him and look at the right dimension in the right way, he will interject his life into our lives and he will never leave us or lose us because he's always for us and with us because he's in control. You want to know what is the amazing one word in this whole story? It's two letters. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if. If you've read this story, you may have read right on through this. But circle the word, highlight it, underline it. He said, Lord, if it's you. I mean, it could have been a spirit. It could have been a ghost, an aberration, a hallucination. Peter walks in a new spiritual dimension on an if. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of faith that I want to have. The the kind of faith, a love for Jesus that is so pursuant that I don't need to see it. All I just need to do is think it. God, if it's you, God, I'm willing to step out and walk on the water. I know those other 11 disciples are seeing things their way and thinking their things their way, but I'm thinking something different. And if, if it's you, Lord, just give me a little bit of affirmation and say, come, and I'm out of this boat, out of my comfort zone, walking in a new spiritual dimension. Just, just give me a little bit, Lord. And what I'm talking about is not losing your mind. Because sometimes people feel like when you begin to walk in faith, that you have to set your mind on a shelf. I love my, my nephew. You may have heard this story. Pastor Jared may have shared it, but I love it because it just shows his, his love for Jesus and his pursuit, his aggressiveness to believe in miracles. So he decides he's going to ask the Lord to allow him to walk on water. So he goes out to the back pool. And he says, God, I believe in you. So... I'm just going to ask you, just like you did for Peter, to help me walk on water, walk on this pool. So he gets ready, and he starts walking across the pool, and he sinks to the bottom. Clothes on, phone in his pocket. An expensive lesson. I, I love that just because of his desire. But, but here's the thing. Walking in faith doesn't necessarily mean that we, we set aside Logic and reasoning, because John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And that word there is the word logia. In the beginning was logia, logic, reasoning. So here's what God did. God, in the beginning, thought about it, and then he created it. The, the beginning place for walking in a new spiritual dimension is thinking about something. If I think about singing a song or writing a song, I sing or write. 
If I think about writing a book with God's power, I write a book. If I think about creating a new business with God's power in me, I create that new business. Walking in a new spiritual dimension is not about laying aside all thinking, all logic, all reasoning. In fact, I believe that Tanner may have been able to walk on the water if it would have glorified God and if God's power would have been availed to him to do that. Now to God, now unto him who is able to do the exceedingly abundantly above, how are you able to walk in a new spiritual dimension? Because it's to him, it glorifies him. Everything that you would ever ask, think, or imagine by his power walking, working on the inside of you. So you walk in a new spiritual dimension, not by laying aside reasoning, but by putting your reasoning out there as a starting point, and it glorifies God, and it also, through God's power, empowers you to think about it and to do it. So when you're thinking about doing something new, it glorifies God. How many know that scripture, Isaiah 43, uh, 19? where God said, I will do a new thing among you. Will you not know it? Inferring that God can do a new thing and we can miss it. Because a new thing is a new thing dressed up in a new thing, not a new thing that's a new thing dressed up in an old thing. When God begins to do something new in us, it's unprecedented. It moves us to a point of being able to discern what it is God wants to do because the real question here is, when do we get out of the boat? That's the real question. I'm not getting out of the boat on my own. I'm getting out of the boat when Jesus says, come, so if I'm living in the Spirit, and I say, Lord, if it be you, he's going to say, come, then I'm getting out, and I'm walking. I'm thinking about it like nobody else is thinking about it, and I'm doing it because I'm doing it in his strength and his ability. Can I get a witness? So let's see what happens at the end of the story as we bring this to a close. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Is that what it says? Oh, you of little... That's the way I want to read it. That's the way the last story was. When the disciples woke Jesus up, he said, Oh, you of little faith, why are you afraid? But that's not what Jesus says to Peter. He doesn't say, Oh, you of little faith, why are you afraid? He says, Why did you doubt? Because Jesus is not dealing with Peter's fear. That's what he dealt with in the first story. He's dealing with Peter's trust. In the first event, Jesus was trying to teach the disciples to develop a new way of seeing. In the second event, Jesus was trying to teach the disciples to develop a new way of thinking that revolved around how much 
they trust in Christ. Some people say, well, how do I overcome fear? Well, I overcome fear with faith. No, you overcome fear with love. Perfect love cast out all fear. So the more you love Jesus, the more you overcome fear. But the way you overcome doubt is by trusting Jesus. And I, I know I, I don't have time to develop it, but write it down. It's the third idea here today that we've got to develop a new way of trusting, not just a new way of seeing and thinking. If a circus performer, and I've shared this in Higher Living, circus performer strings a rope across the Niagara Falls, and he says to you and me, do you believe that I can walk across? His reputation precedes him. Why not believe that he can walk across the Niagara Falls? Of course, there's no net. So if he falls off the tightrope, he dies. So he's standing there with a wheelbarrow, and we say, yes, we believe. But then he changes the script and the narrative, and he looks at you and me, and he says, all right, if you believe, are you willing to get into the wheelbarrow? And let me push you across to the other side. Big difference. Because now he's not talking about belief or faith. He's talking about doubt or trust. He's asking us if we trust him, not just if we believe in him. When you follow Jesus... He's going to move you to a new dimension and he's going to ask the same question. I know you believe that I can walk on water or walk across to the other side, but here's what I really want to know. Will you trust me to get into the wheelbarrow? Will you trust me with your life? Not just what you believe, but will you put your life on the line, pardon the pun? Will you get in the wheelbarrow enough and let me push you across? And I'm telling you, that's what happened with Peter. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, and Jesus said, come. Peter put his life in Jesus' hands and he jumped out of the boat and he started walking on the water toward Jesus because here's the secret really of the whole story he was closer to Jesus out on the water than he was in the boat when you make a decision to walk in the spirit and to pursue a new spiritual dimension it's because you, you love Jesus so much that you just want to get closer to him. You want to leave the same old, same old behind. You want to trust Jesus with your life and just get a little bit closer. I said at the beginning of the message that I may come back to get into the boat. Here's why, because for some of you, that's your new dimension. 
You just need to make a decision to follow Jesus. You just need to get into the boat. You just need to be there where he is. I talk to people and I'll say, you know, this is the time for you to really make a decision to follow Christ. And they'll always, or some will come up with excuses. I call it the case of the one size. Once I get through this relationship, once I stop doing this wrong thing that I'm doing, once I'm financially secure, once I, once I, once I, and they stay out on the shore when the very answer to their life is sitting in the boat, 